0: This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff from Golf Rugby Report. Here with you with the, the Rugga Matrix America podcast show brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions. And we have with us regular guys uh, talking about regular stuff. Pat Clifton, and Bruce McLean, and Bruce, you are off in Martha's Vineyard, uh, rubbing elbows with the the upper crust, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm more rubbing elbows with my kids and my brothers and my cousins. They're upper crust. That counts. I, uh, I I am part of the upper crust now, and Pat rubbing elbows with Kyle Sumption in his <laughs> in his air conditioned living room in, in St Louis. Uh, so that should be even more sometimes, fun sometimes, reruns at the Flintstones.
2: Sometimes but, air conditioning isn't enough in and of itself. So you have to kick the fan on, too.
0: Uh, to, to blow that little pool of cold air around the, around the room. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So is, is uh, Kyle a good roommate?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're getting along fine. He's, he bought a house, so we're nice. just waiting for him to move into said house um, and close on it. So the the deal so far has been uh, he just does the dishes, so that's a good thing.
1: Awesome, that sounds good. Well, well, so basically he he's a young kid who owns a house, and you're a broke coach slash journalist living in a living in an apartment like Walt Disney when he was feeding uh, Steamboat Willie his last piece of bread in the in the room and. Now you're going to become a billionaire and think of something. I don't know what it's going to be.
2: I don't know if anybody listening gets that reference, but I sure don't.
1: Oh, uh, well, it's that's what Walt Disney Steamboat Willie was. Uh, was the original mouse before Mickey Mouse? Okay. And that's what that's what he called. And he was in in his apartment feeding that little mouse when he came up with the thought of Steamboat Willie and Mickey Mouse. Um. And the only other people who like air conditioning and fans are menopausal women, which is what I'm married to.
0: <laughs> well, you know, you didn't—you didn't even have to say broke when you said coach or journalist, for that matter. Uh, pretty much, it, it becomes as accepted.
1: Well, I the same thing about business owners, and here yeah, I am.
0: Well, that—that is—that is true. Well, we're. Recording this show right after the Pacific Nations Cup. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about the Eagles. We're talking about uh, you know, sort of a follow-up to our pre-Pacific Nations Cup show. Uh, we, uh, you know, actually, Pat, I don't know. Did you go to any of the games in person?
2: I did not. I will no. be at the Australia game because um, it's pretty close to my house, but I did not go I to any of the nice. games.
0: Right, and and neither did I until the finals day and I, and I went up to British Columbia Burnaby, lovely Burnaby. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that was fun. Actually, it was, it was kind of a nice little day with, uh, the three games and they had a pretty good rotation of fans going in and out of Swangard stadium, which is about, you know, anybody who goes to a high school football game, pretty much anywhere in the country would be in a stadium the size of Swangard. It wasn't exactly huge. Um, well, let's talk about how we feel about it overall. First, we can sort of uh, uh, take some things apart uh, as we go. But uh, overall, first of all, Bruce, start with you. Um, two and two, fifth place. They did beat Japan. They did beat Canada. Uh, close loss to Samoa, and uh, uh, not as close loss to Tonga. What do you think?
1: I, I think that the the loss against Samoa initially was somewhat fraudulent. I thought they were were beaten pretty well. However, one of the things Phil Bailey always talks about is re-winning the arm wrestle, and they got themselves back into the game and put themselves in a position to win. The Japanese game, I thought that they played the best game of rugby I'd seen in several years out of the Eagles. The Tonga game was a disgrace to say the least, and it was unimpressive at best, and it was poor at worst but um and 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 there were various reasons for that i think that the the wholesale changes the travel and all that i they probably didn't have the proper preparation and i don't think the people played with confidence or aggression in that game and and there was they were kind of outmatched and the uh in the canada game they won and and that was great Canada played terribly, and the United States didn't play terribly, but didn't convert the, – the, the U.S. isn't converting their possession into tries. They're converting them into points. I, I think that there's, there's no doubt that they found a fly half in McGinty. I think that there's no doubt that they have Petri as their scrum half. Uh, I, I thought that Suniula played slower than he has in the past and possibly – He'll start to speed up the way he plays, but this this was one of Suniu's. This was probably one of his most disappointing performances as a scrum half. I think that he's always been kind of electric as a fly half and always brought a little bit of energy and pace to the game. And to say that he slowed down, what Petri had was was I thought pretty true. Uh, Petri's backward box kick was. I'm surprised he hasn't taken a, a hit on. So if he wasn't a nice guy, he would be taking hits on yes. social media in a in a really really bad way after that thing. But I, that well, was our, it
0: it also didn't cost. It ultimately didn't cost them too much. So that was the yeah. the other part of it is it didn't lead to a try or or three points. So yeah, I guess it. Was, I, let me interrupt. I, I I'd, I'd like uh, Pat to jump in here um, before Kyle wonders what happens on the show when pat sits there quietly but um pat uh
2: thoughts uh, you know it's a mixed bag I, I think they really maybe played a game and a half of the kind of rugby that they want to play um and you know anytime you get a win over canada which the u.s doesn't have a whole lot of historically speaking that's that's a good thing you know they beat japan which is ranked higher than them um and and so that th- those are positive things the Samoan game, you know, I, I do feel like they let they had a chance to win that game. And, and had they done some things differently, they could have. Um, so that's a disappointment. And, and Tonga was, I think, Bruce was right with disgrace. I think it was an embarrassment. And I think that regardless of all the surrounding variables, they could have put on a much better performance, especially considering that many of them are playing for their Rugby World Cup hopes. Um, so that was disappointing, but as disappointing as that was, I think the, the the wins over Japan and Canada were good, and I think that we found out um, we, we got some information from this. I think we got some information, and obviously that McGinty is the real deal, and and everything that he had been kind of billed to be. Uh, I think that we found out some information on some other guys that maybe wasn't as positive, but still valuable information. So I, I imagine we're going to get into who played well and who played their way into the World Cup a little bit later. But um, I definitely think some guys put their hands up and some guys um, are going to be shuffled to the back after this.
0: Well, well you know, generally, the I, I, this is what I, I was prompted to ask Mike Tolkien, do you still say this is a deep team? Do you still say you have depth And after the Tonga game? And he says yes, and he, he explained why. But it's the the whole message we were getting was – there's competition for places. Uh, we're really excited because it's as deep a team as we've ever had. This is several players said that to me. And it's really just not the case. Uh, to, in some places, it's the case. You know, we we still got a, you know, a whole bunch of good back row players. That's fine. But uh, the Tonga game showed that there are deficiencies when you change the lineup. I, right?
2: I take issue with that a little bit. I mean, just because you have lots of caps on the field in that game, right? You have Mate, you have Phil Teal, you have Stanfield, Dolan, Lavala, um, you know, Lestrange, who had been the front line 10 for a little bit, Andrew Sudiula, who's got a ton of caps. There was a lot of experience on that field to where I don't think that performance was about depth. Yeah, sure, there were some guys on that field that don't have a lot of experience and haven't been called on a lot before and proven to be good players on this international level. But to me, the Tonga game is a lot about things outside of depth.
0: Well, depth doesn't have to be in experience. You know, there are experienced players who played poorly, right? That's I'm I'm sure. agreeing with you on that. But the, you know, Monte Mochiola is not playing at a level that says keep me on the team, right? Um, and, and and a couple of other guys there too. I I I think that there's a a, a big gap. Between not your frontline 15 and your next 15, but enough of players to cause problems, and certainly there were problems all over the place uh, with the first what 65 minutes of that Tonka game. Last 15 were a little bit better, but uh, um, part of it has to do with the fact that um, the team just that team that group of players did not function, and unfortunately, yeah, I... I mean we we don't want to talk if we don't want to talk about specific players, but. Fly half was a major problem.
2: Sure, it definitely was, and I don't disagree there. And I think that Toby's days as being looked at as a fly half are are over unless injury forces it to be that way again. But I'll tell you, from watching that game, the thing that stuck out to me the most, is the most disappointing, was the lineout. You have your, you know, if not your starting hooker, a guy who's got a lot of experience going into a second World Cup, and then your second hooker. So if you're not your one A hooker, then your one B hooker, and your line out captain the best line out but you put the best players on the field for the USA, the guy that's your lineout captain Scott Lavallo and the lineout was atrocious. I mean it was embarrassingly bad, and we know that they're a good lineout team and they proved to be a good out lineout team the rest of the PNC, except for that you know except for that performance so that's why I think that game
0: to, it, now now to to be to be fair again. Last ten or fifteen minutes, it worked just fine, and I'm not, I'm not, you know. It, but it, it did. It was terrible, right? And and they they were like, they lost four line outs, and maybe three that they won were as good as losses. You know, they're either going back ten meters or something like that. You know, so it's basically a 50-50 proposition, given. But that's that's not a systemic problem. That's a bad day, right? Isn't it?
2: Well, I mean, I, I hope so, but I mean, I, think I I feel like there was a bad day a, a long way around. I mean, Hayden Smith, I think, is a good player. Hayden Smith made some tackle attempts in that game that I thought were, I mean, it was, I didn't think I was watching Hayden Smith. So it, maybe it was just a bad day for everybody involved, and I think Bruce's point about the preparation and the travel and all that stuff getting mixed in may have played more of an effect. You hope, and you and I think, that you can overcome that. But they didn't on that day, and it was bad. So I, I don't think I still think this is the deepest team we've ever had. I'm just saying that, uh, and I and I mean that the Tonga game in and of itself wasn't a product of it, them not being deep. Um, but whatever happened that day can't happen again, and they got to get to the bottom of
1: it. I think there were I think there were some serious issues. Um, number one, you got to remember in the Samoa game. Or and the Tonga game, McGuinty looked like pretty poor, and Suniel was playing scrum half. Suniel is a better fly half than he is a scrum half. That they're using him in a position that he's unfamiliar with, and that that's slowing the game. See, when he plays fly half, he speeds the game up. When he plays scrum half, he slows the game down. And and that same thing happened. He was the scrum half in the two poor performances. Early on in the game, they started to come back when Petri played and then they, uh, and then they played well when Petri was playing against, uh, against Tonga and they scored those, those couple tries. So not, not that, and like I said, I I think Sunil is a good player. I just don't necessarily think he's a scrum half The, The your backup scrum half is actually McGinty on that team. And then. It's so, going to,
0: it's going to be Nico Kruger.
1: Uh, well, it's I think. McGinty, it, it it's doesn't it. N- Nico Kruger hasn't played yet, so yeah, but it's well, it, that's it, 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 it will be. All right, so you you've spoken to talks obviously. Um and 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 possibly he is going to be the backup scrum half and uh and as I said, McGinty's the backup scrum half in my mind. So that's I, I'll I'll trust myself on and I don't <laughs> I'll trust myself on my judgment. I think that, in the event that that happens, I would be, I would be, probably not want to go into a World Cup with a guy whose toughest game was a loss against the Army. But that's, you know, that that's just me. That's the way I think about it, possibly. Now, but it may be, maybe maybe is thinking differently. But um, okay. So so just. And a also, of- what is Pat doing? When, uh, w- Kyle, what Pat does when he's not talking is he stares at that big poster of Maka Anufe right in his living room that's life size <laughs> while he's sitting there without his shirt on and his air conditioning so that he could just become one with the superstar that Maka Anufe is. I swear to God, I really hope that they get medals <laughs> so that Pat can have a picture with Maka Anufe, both of them without their shirts on so that they can have their, their shirtless silver or gold medal or bronze medal picture, and, and then he could put that on the wall. So he, well, he-
2: I, I do have a rugby guy on the wall. It is a sevens player, but it's Alifoti Faos uh celebrating after winning the, scoring the game-winning try at probably 2011 USA yeah. sevens it was, it, against 2011,
0: New Zealand. That's exactly right, yeah, 2011. Uh, but, hey, that's try- what I'm looking at. I don't have Maka yet. That's a great. Well, you know, you know, Kyle's got to know that uh, if, if you start asking him to uh, ha- wear like a Maka Anufe mask, that may be time for him to move out. <laughs> okay, but so so he- I- here's here's the thing for me for me on this. Uh, speaking of Samoa, I, you know, maybe the score flattered the USA in the first half. I thought the second half. I thought they played very well. And there was, a, there was a change. The, the change at Scrum Half, I thought, was significant. Petri uh, the, and the addition of Lavala on the field really helped the team uh, in that game. Um, I thought Japan, pretty good game. Um, I thought that uh, you know Tonga was bad. But, but, but you, you put in certain players and suddenly things picked up a little bit. Um, I thought that Phil Teal had a bad day throwing. Uh, this was actually not my opinion at the time watching the game because I almost never try to immediately just blame the thrower i 'm um, told later Mike Tolkien said it was probably the throwing as well as some other things, but there are a lot of little factors in the line out right and and and, and if you 've got new lifters and they 're not lifting fast enough, and you know especially somebody like Chris Bauman not to throw him under too much of a bus but uh, you know, he's used to lifting guys in in club rugby, and then he's asked to lift a guy who is much bigger and lift that guy faster, probably. It's kind of difficult. He's got to get used to that. So I think that there was a couple of missed times on, on uh, jumps and stuff like that. Stuff we, sh- we shouldn't accept, but that was what was happening. And then, you know, against Canada... Uh, there were a lot of things, really basic, not particularly exciting things that went right with that team, and and I really, really wish that some of these games were refereed a little bit differently. We might have seen a few more tries, um, but I guess next we're gonna. I, I do want to, at some point here in Rugged Matrix America, brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions, is talk a little bit about the offense. But but overall, I thought we had. Half a, re- a pretty good performance against Samoa, a good performance against uh, Japan, about a quarter of what we want to see uh, against Tonga. And it, it was more like against Canada, I felt like it was 80 minutes of like 85 percent. Was, it, was, it was pretty good most of the time as opposed Canada to really good.
1: Canada stinks, and they, they have stunk five years. And we have finally got a fly half that can make them pay for stinking. And, and we, and now they've been overrated. They were good back in 2007 or whenever, or 2006, whenever they beat us up in Newfoundland and stuff, they were good then. And they were good in 1991, but they really haven't been that good in several years. And we just haven't been able to, to put the sword to them for, for various reasons, injuries here, there, and the other. But, the reality is Canada played poorly and we didn't turn that pressure into tries and we need to. And part of the reason that we didn't is that we're not getting any offensive productivity out of our front five at all. And our front five hasn't played well. And whether or not, uh, and, and when I say, you know, Peterson could have gotten a red card and, and, and honestly had the, had the, the TMO, not been very. The TMO was excellent that game, by the way, because the guy from Canada, uh, what's his name, Bukaboom, was holding his leg, and he cracked him in the head. It should have been a yellow red, but instead of he just made it a yellow period, and bookaboom went out of the game due to an injury, probably from the head shot. And the uh, but that was a red card, unquestionably red card offense, and. I'll question it. I don't, I don't agree with you. I think of Boom deserved it. I, I'm not saying they didn't deserve it.
0: Well, I think deserved it to the point that it should have been a penalty and it should have been no card, and we see that happen all
1: the time in international but, rugby. But yes, then, it's, then, 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 that, then a punch to the head is okay. That's fine. That's your opinion, and, and that's cool. <laughs> but a punch to the head isn't okay. And Peterson's not good enough to get away with it. True. And I'll tell you, if he doesn't in a game in the World Cup, he's red carded, period, end of sentence. They red carded Sam Warburton in a semifinal for a tip tackle that was a mistake. If you don't think for two seconds they'll red card a pedestrian second row who's a foreigner from the United States, you are on crack. That was a red card, period, end of sentence, in any circumstance and he hasn't played well and doesn't deserve to pull something like that he played terribly in the first game against samoa Mm -hmm. and he was playing terribly that game and to crack a guy in the head was a selfish despicable ridiculously stupid move so no that's not acceptable in any sense If he doesn't have the self-control to keep his hands to himself, bring Doyle back. He ain't even in the same wavelength as Brian Doyle. Like, we're not even talking about the same player. So, that was absurd. McGinty, when he hit that guy, thank God he landed on his back and not his shoulder. Because then it's an automatic red. And... So there, there were definitely calls. Well, uh, yeah, and,
0: I, I, I don't know about that. Just listening from what the referee said. And the referee said just bad timing. It and the referee, you know, you can uh, – when, when – it's not the same as grabbing someone and flipping them. is just running into them. They, the referee will, will have a little bit of uh, discretion oh, on that. So I'm not I, sure if it was an automatic red. He might have gotten
1: one. No, but, no, 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 no. It had the guy gone on his head. He, it was an automatic red. But the, um, he gave him a yellow for bad timing. What I'm saying is the TMO was outstanding in that game. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that what what happened to uh Peterson on his when he grabbed it, when Bukaboom grabbed his leg deserved something. It didn't deserve a punch, a full-on punch in the head. And that was and and the same thing with McGinty, he really was he I thought that the TMO handled all of the things that got sent to him pretty well. The referee was an over officious jerk. The, and I, I think that was I think that was a line of Marv Levy when he was coaching the Bills or something. Was, You're an over officious jerk because he didn't curse and he didn't you know he's he yeah. uh yeah. and, and so that was that was pretty cool. And but that referee was kinda a pain in the neck. The fact is the US won the game. That was absolutely brilliant in the fact that and, and Bailey describes this, and and it's and it's quite good. As he he talks about winning the arm wrestle and getting the arm wrestle and coming and coming back, and sometimes things happen. And in these types of games, when you're playing against people like that, that not everything necessarily goes your way. Calls don't go your way. Things don't go your way. And you just got to kind of stay within striking distance, and and get yourself a chance to score. You know, New York Athletic Club. That's the way we played kind of when you're playing a better team, just kind of hang around, hang around, hang around, give yourself a chance to win in the end. And oftentimes you will. And that's, I think that the biggest thing that happened on, on this, on this tournament was they beat Canada, which is the second time in a row. Both times they've actually been pretty lucky to beat them, but they did beat them twice. And then the, uh, and then beating Japan was fantastic. Coming back against Samoa was fantastic, and actually scoring two line out drive tries against um, against Tonga, although they played terribly, was very good so there 's a lot of positives to take out of it there 's still a lot of problems to take out of it as well um, line out timing and things like that like you know i, ex- I won 't excuse Bauman or any of these guys for for having poor line out timing. The fact that the matter is you 're an international player. And if you can't turn around and step two or three steps or two or three feet and make a lift and get it to be maximum extension, you don't belong on the team. If you can't hold the scrum up, you don't belong on the team. And while you're, while you're uh, criticizing Mate, remember Mate made the biggest play in the Samoa game early on. When Tuolagi took that kickoff and he was chucking upfield, Mate hit him and that was a train wreck, and he smashed them and knocked them down immediately, quickly, and efficiently. That did set a tone to that game that allowed the U.S. to stay with it. Not Nobody, else wanted, Nobody else wanted that hit.
2: else. flurry tackles at the beginning of that Samoa game.
1: Nobody wanted that hit. Not another guy yep. on the team. Kyle Sumption, your roommate, may have wanted that hit, but... There is nobody on that team that wanted to go down there and make that hit. Mate no, went down and made he, that he, hit. He, and that – sometimes you just need that guy to come up and be your bike. Holy crap. All right. He could do it. Well, screw it. We're all – now we're in. But it, it's the guy who makes the first hit. Mate did that. And for that, the U.S. should be very thankful, extremely thankful, because that could have gone sideways on him quick.
0: Yeah, he he – he, we would have liked to have seen more of that. I, I think he, he hurt himself too. Uh, you know, physically hurt himself. Uh, in that game,
1: which uh, doesn't help. He hurt his shoulder. Out. It was, it was something that looked like he I mean. took a shoulder or a stinger. He took some. He took an injury. There's no doubt about it. I don't know what the injury was. He definitely took one. And, and maybe they're not, not reporting it or whatever. But he took an injury. There's no question.
0: Now he, he, he did have a rib issue. You know, twice now we've seen the USA team leading in a really tough physical game, and then suddenly be behind. And uh, they have one more play, one more chance, and they pull it out. We saw them do that against Georgia, in Georgia. And it was pretty much the same thing, which is let's keep the ball, let's challenge them physically, let's work those faces properly. And they got a penalty and won it, uh, Adam Siddle kicked the goal. And then uh, this this sequence where they won it against Canada was, for, for, for the, the basic nature of it, which was, you know, they, they weren't exactly playing champagne rugby, but you had a really uh, a nice short ball to, to Scully for a break. And then, uh, you know, Lavala took it up. And a couple of the other props took it up. And really nice clear out from everybody. And then the presence of mind, the smart move by McGinty—he's in the pocket, he's ready. No one else is ready. And Bruce, you said to me, Canada weren't—they didn't respect it. They weren't expecting it, and and that, that seems to be very clear. Looking at the replays, they they weren't expecting it, and over it went. Uh, so that's that's nice to see that kind of poise from a USA team that sometimes kind of. Um, lets, it, lets it run away, you know, where you say, well, they were leading and then it was close and then the last five minutes they gave up three tries and it was embarrassing. It w- it's not been happening that way.
1: Well, well one of the
0: things... It almost I-
1: was.
2: I mean, the two previous possessions before the one where they got the drop goal were, if I remember right, they ended up out of bounds.
1: One of the things that I would, one of the things I would uh, appreciate about that last drop goal, number one, it came from a scrum attack. Which I, I don't think we've scored points from a scrum attack in God knows how long. So they, 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 there were times where they actually scrummed okay against Canada. And, and whether or not that's a function of us performing better or Canada being bad, I think it's probably the latter. The, um, the, but the second thing about that is that one of the things Tolkien always practices, you know, I mean, having coached him for as many years as I had is they call it the victory formation. It is when you're down by a point or two points or whatever, or even three points, that you go and you, you almost run that Johnny Wilkinson zigzag and you just kind of get yourself into a position where you can get a drop goal for a victory. So it that would have been something that the Eagles almost unquestionably would have practiced enough that they knew that that it, it I haven't seen the Eagles in that situation with a fly half like McGinty to be able to actually do that in so long that I almost forgot about the victory formation and like Canada it almost surprised and when I saw McGinty back I was like holy shit he's going to take a drop goal and it was it was actually pretty cool and and i was actually texting back and forth with his dad during the game so it was uh it was pretty cool and 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 that was nice and it and and it gives them a different dimension that teams are going to have to respect they're playing you know three tier two nations in the uh in the world cup and and having th- had drop ball options all the points count
0: i thought they'd given up on it i thought they were going to – the idea you know, they had that scrum was set it up off the scrum. They were close enough. Just maybe get it out to Wiles as a left footer, and know he can drop a goal as well. And then they just kept running it. And I just think they they they've, they've given up on it. And then suddenly, it just it's like the 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 Red Sea parted, and it was just so perfect. There was this the the ruck was nice and solid, but the ball was out quickly, and there was McGinty just ten meters back, right there. And you know the guys the guys who are really good at it, it's like they're doing it slowly. And you watch the replay, you're like, come on, hurry up. But he knew exactly what he was going to do, and it was, he had plenty of – and he gets so much height on his kicks, there's, no one's going to charge it down. So that's, that's great. The last time we had somebody who, who could really do that on a regular basis was probably Mike Herkus. Uh, he kicked four drop goals for the USA, which is the record, which is kind of a joke. And I wrote something about it that there were, there were three players in Test Rugby who've kicked more drop goals than the United States has ever kicked – in in test match rugby, and that was the first time that a drop goal had won a game for the USA. Uh,
1: well, gotta remember. Oh, sorry.
2: Go ahead, Pat. No, it,
0: no, it was. I, I was going to just hand it off to Pat and say, Pat, what do you got? Because I think I interrupted. Oh, I you.
2: just. I was. You didn't. Um, but <laughs> no, nah, I was. I was an amazing. Man. My jaw hit the floor. I didn't. You know, I'm sitting here. I was actually watching a game with Kyle and. Uh, he was like, they're going to go for trouble. I said, no way in hell they're going to go for it, and uh, <laughs> and they did, and I, they, they stroked it through. I mean, look, I'm a huge Ronan O'Gara fan. I got the autobiography. I, for fun, a year ago, wrote that Ronan could, and he could have, you know, used the the uh, the title or the which the loophole through sevens to, to to get into a USA jersey for the World Cup, and I knew it was a joke, and I, it was a joke when I wrote it, but uh, I mean. We've got the closest thing that we've ever had to a guy like that, um, and and I think even more dynamic. And I think it's it's a lot of fun to watch him play. And and to be honest with you, I think that the USA played awful in the second half against Canada. And the only person who played who came to play in that second half was McGinty. Um, you know, I he well, I, Steph, I I as much as you can, Steph Curry. Uh, and by that I mean take a game over in, in rugby. He did that in that game um it 's pretty special i don 't think any other fly half that i 've ever watched play for the u s a in the short time that i 've been doing it uh if you put them on the field the u s a wouldn 't have won that game i
0: think, i think i agree it was fantastic i i'm the second half there were a few guys who made some pretty pretty key tackles after the u s a was you know turning the ball over, and Canada contributed mightily. To it staying close. It's kind of a weird game. Canada is poor. Um, flying, uh, you know, having the Pacific Nations Cup and having a team fly from Sacramento to Toronto and then back to BC uh, over the course of just a few days is ridiculous. And there was no reason to do it. And uh, I, I think that hurt the USA team. I realized that Tonga had to travel too. But travel, it's a lot easier to travel from from Vancouver to Toronto than it is from Sacramento to Toronto. So um, they probably had a little bit easier time on that. I want to talk um, as we come uh, sort of to the next portion of this Rugged Matrix America show brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions is that let's talk about some individual players. Aside from uh, A.J. McGinty, let's talk about the situation we're in looking ahead to uh, Canada in Ottawa on the 22nd, followed by Harlequins. In uh, beautiful Chester, Pennsylvania, and finally September fifth uh, at Soldier Field against
2: Australia you said, you said beautiful Chester pennsylvania i did I did say that
0: <laughs> um, uh, Where are we on some players so so first of all, guys, g- give me somebody whose stock rose significantly, and give me somebody whose stock who, who's in trouble in terms Andrew of Andrew Duratalo's
2: <laughs> stock rose. Um, Obviously, the Canada game he was a bit of a revelation um and I don't think it's just that he had one good game or um I, you know this last year for him was a breakout year on the World Series. He became a regular starter he was playing really well, you know he used to have some deficiencies defensively and was a bit of a liability in some areas and I think he's made his strengths that much stronger and and his strength in sevens is that he takes your ball away and I think he translated that um as well as any of the sevens guys did onto the fifteenth field and and took the ball away and was extremely strong over the ball. And while I very much respect John Quill's game, I don't think he's anywhere near as strong over the ball. And when you're playing against really good teams, um, you need somebody who can stand over that ball and take a hit. And I think Duratala did it and his stock rose quite a bit. The guy whose stock dropped I think the most glaring one that um, we have to talk about, and, and maybe we already have beat it to death a little bit, is Peterson. Um, he was one of the guys, I think him and Bauman are kind of two guys that Tolkien said, let's put them in, and let's see what they can do, because we have other guys in those positions, and, but let's see what they can do in the Pacific Nations Cup is where we're going to find out what they can do. And, and I think Peterson did not play well. He was, had zero impact with ball in hand. Obviously, made that dumb decision um, to, to throw the punch, and and was a bit of a liability on the field. So, the USA lineup is good enough that they don't need him. Uh, and, and I thought he really his stock dropped significantly.
1: I thought Dorotalo was fantastic, and one of the one, one of the things that <laughs> what was that? Did somebody did, did,
0: didn't somebody get texted, his wings?
1: Somebody texted oh. me, um, <laughs> I, and I just muted my phone. But I thought Duratalo was fantastic defensively against Canada. He, and it was funny, on my way to Martha's Vineyard, Bill Leclerc called me and told me that he was going to start using with the Army women's rugby team a 60-minute circuit that Phil Greening and Mike Friday were using with um, on contact area. In, in ball and contact and de- and defensive play, first man in, first man in defensively for sevens, that he was going to start using that for the Army women's rugby team. And it was pretty intense, and it took, I think it was three segments of 20 minutes. And I I didn't get into the nuts and bolts of actually what it was, but I I, I am going to call him about the nuts and bolts of what it was because after seeing, and he had spoken to me after, that game, but after seeing that performance, it'd be interesting to see actually what the hell they are doing, because Duratalo became a different person. W- what I look at there is I think Duratalo could take a couple of lessons from Quill in in the attacking part of the game. Duratalo has played quite well in the defensive part of the game, and and, and grant that I haven't watched these videos in in terms of a coach where I would be watching it three, four, five, six times. And then and then watching different clips of things over oh, more than that, the but Quill is a, is an outstanding seven in attack. He knows how to get people off the ball when so that you can clear out and get quick ball, and he did that pretty well when he came in and, and when he played in that tournament. But Duratalo, over the ball defensively was he's. He's everything that you want to, what you would coach. And the things that you would coach is to say, you got to get over the ball and under the opposition. So you want your center of gravity over the ball and your shoulders under the opposition. And Duratalo did that consistently and actually was able to get steals and penalties. So that was pretty amazing. And, and his balance and his, and his quickness to be able to do that was great. And, and he should be lauded and commended for that. And he was, and, and I wish that they had really taken the time to do that. Cause I think his first start was the day that Pat and I had gone up to Ottawa together. And we had, we had driven up there with when Toby broke his shoulder in 2012, Duratalo had they spent the time to be on top of Duratalo then it's not that he's that much different of a person or a player. I think that he just, he wasn't necessarily familiar with how to be effective and had they spent, he would be four years better. And you'd be looking at like uh, an American David Pocock type of guy. Instead. Now you're, you're seeing him at the beginning of his transformation where that transformation should maybe could have taken place three years ago. Do you agree, Pat?
2: Actually, David Pocock is exactly who came to mind with him. And I do agree. I mean, he's not a bigger, faster, stronger guy than he was. I think that you're right. I think that he's got some, some real coaching for the first time in a long time. Um, and, and, I mean, consistently, it, over a long period of time now, he's getting that. And he's become a much better player. And he's, I think he always wanted to be – I know he always considered himself a 15th player. He never considered himself a sevens guy or seven specialist. And I think that when he swung and missed – and he got his chance and wasn't invited back consistently. I think that that kind of made him hungrier to if he got a chance again to really go for it and make it work. And I think you saw that um, in that Canada game too.
0: I, I, I really I, I find this kind of very interesting that you, you say that stuff. Um, and I do agree that Duratalo played very well and I th- I think it's fascinating because I think it's a good thing that nobody has mentioned the fact that he scored three tries in the PNC because that was irrelevant in a way to what we liked about his play. You take away the three tries, he still played great. But, those three tries. but, but, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that, well the point not. is that but, 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 well, I got the, the, the 2012 issue, I think you're, you're flat wrong and um, you know, to say that he was not that he was the same person, I think that's completely wrong. Is that the we haven't really delved into it? I've tried to delve into it a little bit, but but Andrew Duratalo, of uh, 2012, into 13, had a different approach, a different attitude. He got into trouble. He punched uh, Nolan Allen in the face in a practice at at Old Puget Sound, which got him. Legal trouble that saw him uh, uh, you know he had to actually do you know, spend some time in jail all of this stuff um, formulated what he is now and the guy who came out of that in two thousand and thirteen and go went through the season of fourteen and then then entered into the to the last seven season it seems to me in the way he approaches the game in the way he approaches his conditioning, and in the way he approaches his technique. Everything is different. And I, I have to believe, and I'm, I'm just assuming here, because I haven't asked him about it. I've tr- well, I've tried to ask him about it, but I haven't talked to him about it, is that that incident, which almost cost him a lot, I mean, a lot, pretty much everything, almost cost him everything, has to have had an effect on him. And it well, has like, to have changed it because I, because I don't think he was reaching his potential as a player in sevens or fifteens before. Because, and, and certainly that's borne out because he's playing so well right now. And it has to be that it's not just because the USA, the USA coaches didn't nurture him enough. I think it was I, something to do with himself.
1: Well, it, everybody has to – things have to do with themselves – Duratalo, after the 2012 championship game with D.A.C., number one, was very strong over the ball and was a very good player and was, had serious capability to be outstanding. That very summer, he had called me to come and play for the New York Athletic Club because he, he's from Binghamton. And which is in the middle of New York, three hours from New York, and he wanted to play for the New York Athletic Club because, for whatever reason, it it was definitely personal issues that he wasn't happy at Puget Sound for, and it could have been that guy, Nolan, who we punched. I don't know. I don't even know the guy, to be honest with you. But but so I just couldn't. I. I couldn't get him a job, and he was still in the sevens mix and in the fifteens in mix. It was a lot of mixes he was in, and we couldn't put it together. I would have because that was a guy that, I, I mean, having him and James Denise as as uh, as Stanfield left almost would have been perfect and ideal. And it just, it just didn't, never panned out for us. So I don't, uh, so I think he kind of knew that. And I think he kind of knew what he was getting into. And I think that he he would be – and possibly there were some demons that he had to exercise. But w- whatever it was, he's done what he's needed to do. He's playing really well. And and you and I spoke about this either yesterday or two days ago, Alex, where if Andrew Duratalo had John Quill's attacking clear-out prowess – and John Quill had Andrew Duratalo's defensive clear-out prowess that we might have a three right. world-class seven. <laughs> I and but if you're going to make a choice between attack and defense, you choose. Def- I choose defense. I know Tolks choose defense, and I know Bailey chooses defense. Now whether whether or not, whether <laughs> or not Miss Osborne is choosing defense, but it, the the. Uh, <laughs>
0: Who, who's who's your guy? Who's your guy? Who uh, whose stock has dropped?
1: I guess when when Pat said Peterson and Bauman, I, I don't know that their stock ever was up, but um, I I would say that they probably disappointed a little bit in terms of of their play. I, I don't particularly think the U.S. is deep uh, in and I think that they, they still have to figure out who's the midfield. I think that the best, the best part of what happened over the course of this tournament was that Scully and Wiles didn't save the day, like you know Superman and Mighty Mouse. I like they, they, uh, they. I, I, I think Wiles probably. Could have played a lot better, and I think that the captaincy and and, and I think that now he's going to play a lot better, and I think he's going to play back to the Chris Wiles we know, and I think that Blaine Scully, while he did some really amazing things, it, but he also did some things that weren't Blaine Scully like. I think that now they got their feet together, and I think that they're the next leg of international play with Australia and the Holoquins and uh, whoever else they're playing, Canada, yeah, is yeah. gonna be a uh, is gonna be fantastic. Because when those guys are firing, then we're good. And they weren't firing. So when they're firing, that's gonna be good. I I actually think they're gonna play Naguena. Um, I I, uh, I I don't know what happened or if it got hurt or what the story was.
0: Yeah. He, uh, n- n- when you got hurt, it's not bad though. Um, apparently it's, you know, he- he'll be fine. First of all, uh, I was really surprised you started saying, uh, Pat, you started saying, you know, the guy, we really, we, you know, we talked about him and, you know, it's pretty obvious and I'm, I'm waiting. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> and you didn't say the guy I was thinking. So, uh, you know, I think that's funny. I and mean, the, the, it's not funny that that he didn't play well, but Toby LeStrange, uh, his stock has gone down significantly. Um, he he doesn't look confident out there. He doesn't look comfortable in the number ten jersey. Uh, if if you're thinking about him going to a, a center or like a utility back thing, you know, well, Troy Hall actually did pretty well as utility back, so um, that's going to be tough for him. Um, so I I would agree that I I think Greg Peterson's stock I didn't know where he was so. Not sure, but, but Toby, Toby's in trouble, I think, in terms of getting, getting on the World Cup squad. And um, I think it's a shame. He's a, he's a terrific guy, and I think he's played very well at times. But he just looked like his confidence was cratering, and that's a shame. Uh, and uh, in terms of stock going up, the guy whose stock went up for me, uh, and, and I agree on Duratalo. Uh, the guy who really was Zach Fenoglio. I mean, I, I I think we went into the Pacific Nations Cup thinking Phil Teal was number one. And Fenoglio was really hoping that he would be number two. And in 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 the end, I think in the last two games especially, Fenoglio played
1: better. Oh, Fenoglio so was, was, was not light years better. It was okay. – that was – Phil Teal is one of the nicest guys in uh, – in American rugby and, and he just did not play well at all. And you got to remember, one of the things you can, when, when, when Toby played with, with, uh, at Scrum Half, he didn't, he didn't play well. And there wasn't a lot to it. And, uh, then also when McGinty played with him, he didn't play well. (laughs) And, 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 uh, so I, I think that, The problem is they don't have a backup scrum half right now who who isn't McGinty. McGinty is is an unbelievable scrum half. So and and he is your backup scrum half, but he's also your your form fly half, and 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 that's that's a difficult uh, that's a (laughs) it's difficult to move McGinty out of such a critical position that he's playing great. And one of the things Bailey would say is, hey. I'm making one change, not three changes to make one change. So, and and I think that Tolkien and Bailey are on the same page in terms of that. So you, you could be right, Kruger could be the backup, but I, I would, would I would still say he, I would still say that that uh, well, that that Suniula is the backup because it may, may and maybe they're going to drop him. I I don't know, but Suniua can play faster because he plays at a lightning speed at fly half. I just think with the new offensive system and the fact that he's a scrum half and the fly half, he just may have been acting a little bit slower at scrum half. Well, it's, it's I mean, interesting you know, that he he was,
0: you know, Mike Petrie's, the second half against Canada wasn't his best. And a couple of times he got kind of caught just moving slowly out of the back. And, and his big his big strength is to get that ball out quick, quick, quick. And Suniola Suni was better than that, probably because he was told in there to go in there and inject some energy. Yeah,
1: so, I, didn't, I didn't think that. I thought, no. it was a, I thought it was a really bad coaching move to take Petri out while McGinty was still in the bank. Well that, I think that, I think that should have either waited or not even taken him out at all. No, that, that's, that's
0: a good point. But you're, you're being very kind to um, Toby Lestrange, and I think that's uh, I'm, right I'm, for I'm, you to be. You are being kind to him because he's not played well. And he hasn't played well in a while for the USA, and
1: I, and I like him a lot,
0: and I'm I am do not like saying it.
1: Um, but and 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 I get that, and one of the things, and, and that's true, and and his kicking was was abysmal to say the least, but um he tackles people, and and the, the, the Toby's the fact not a fly
2: half. He's never the only time he's ever been a fly half is for the AC, and well, then for the Eagles because he was a fly half for the AC.
1: He wasn't a fly half for the AC. He was a
2: center.
0: Yeah. All right. We we got to we move this along. Uh, you know, just uh, or, or really wrap this up a little bit. But uh, there are some uh, other players, perhaps who've, you know, certainly played well. Uh, in in the Pacific Nations Cup, there are a, a bunch of players. If I make a list of players who played well at times and struggled at times, and or sort of were just sort of even. Looking ahead to the the pre World Cup final issue uh, The fi- final issue of games with the, the USA plays ca- Canada in Ottawa on the 22nd of August. And then on the 30th at PPL Park, they play Harlequins. That's going to be a game, I'm sure it's going to be like open subs, and we'll see about just about everybody. And then uh, September 5th at Soldier Field against Australia. And as you said, Bruce, we're going to be expecting players like Scully and Wilds perhaps to to sort of pick up their game a little bit, but also point out that there's a guy coming into the team, expected to come into the team for these games, and that would be Samu Manoa. And you know that that's a guy who can produce some uh, offensive firepower in the forwards and uh, some defensive firepower as well. Um, And I guess finishing up this show, this Rugged Matrix show, guys – is Samu that much of a game-changer? I think he is, but, you know. It's just yeah, not I not. think
2: he's a huge game-changer, especially when, like Bruce said, we've been pretty uh, impotent on offense with the forwards. I think he's a huge game-changer. Um, another game-changer that I hope returns, and I still believe is a game-changer, is Todd Clever. I think both of those guys are still impact runners, and, and, and if you can bring them both on the field and find a way to get them on the field at the same time, which... My ideal starting fifteen does um, that your 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 offense is going to increase significantly.
1: Um, my sons want to say hello because they want to be famous. Cool, Hello. that's my son Brendan. Come hey. on, say hello. Hello, and this is my <laughs> son Bruce. What up? Oh, he thinks Ooh, he's what stuck up, up. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. So he's bad. Um. Is is Samuel Manoa a game changer? Yes, there's no question about it. He's he's one of the top players in Europe, and and otherwise he wouldn't have signed for Toulon and for such a such a nice contract. But I don't even know if it's nice. I would imagine it is. But uh, the the problem with with Samuel Manoa for the United States that I see is if our scrum isn't effective, then we're going to render him impotent at number eight. And we're going to have to use him at second row because we'll get more offensive productivity out of him at second row if our scrum is on roller skates. So the scrum is, had, had done pretty well against Canada, but the Canadian scrum wasn't particularly good. And, however, the, the scrum was inconsistent in the Pacific Nations Cup, but it certainly didn't perform as poorly as it had in the past against various different teams. And, and it was, so it wasn't a complete disaster. So maybe they're, they're making progress there, and, and in the event they can do that and, and come to terms with who their second rows are. Like, I, I thought it was weird in the lineout when they had Dolan in the game and they weren't lifting him. When they had especially, you know, you could use Hayden. Dolan goes up like a lightning he goes up like a shot and and Todd Clever is you know he, he was in uh in the penalty box for a while I think injuries and 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 form might force them to have to take him back but one of the things Todd Clever is is he's he's as good as Dolan in the lineout, and to have two guys like that they're they're pretty class lineout guys and for the USA with a scrum that doesn't operate at optimum efficient efficiency they're going to need a line out that operates flawlessly and and so whatever they do i think all their selections have to be about line out defense kicking kick chase and and that would be how i would play the game moving forward with them All right,
0: right. that's right there. So get your set piece uh, straightened out. Get your line out straight at home, everybody. Get your scrum straightened out, and make sure you play good defense. I think that's the way to end it. And uh, for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, this is Alex Goff reminding you to check out Rugged Rugger Matrix America show and the Rugger Matrix International show. You can read Pat Clifton's stuff on Rugby Today. You can read my stuff on Golf Rugby Report. And you can always hear Bruce here on Rugger Matrix America.